This podcast, number 859, with Emily Francis, the author of a book called Healing Ourselves Whole, is brought to you by Gerald Gangram, a highly decorated officer in the U.S. Army, now retired. He flew the Apache helicopter and completed hundreds of missions in Afghanistan. In my podcast with Gerald, we discuss his mission, leadership focus, and what it's like being a black officer in the military. He definitely tells great stories and shares of a lot of advice on how to become a good servant leader. Gerald's been invited to speak in multiple events to share his inspirational stories that really motivate audiences. His personal stories and turning points in his life makes his crowds emotional and feel the impact and the takeaways he provides in every speaking engagement are very, very impressive. If you want to learn more about Gerald Gangram and have him as a keynote speaker at one of your events, please visit his website at www.geraldgangram, that's J-E-R-A-L-D-G-A-N-G-A-R-A-M.com. And now for a featured podcast with Emily Francis about her new book, Healing Ourselves Whole. Happy listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Boyson, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Emily, as I do every time I come on one of these shows, um, you know, it's been 15 years now. So I have to thank the listeners from around the world. They come from everywhere. And so for all of you who listen and continue to tune in, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support, uh, for your emails, for your recommendations. We really appreciate it. And joining us from Malta today, uh, a little island off the coast of Italy, right? I get that right? Okay. Uh, Is Emily Francis. And Emily was referred to me by Dr. Steve Berman. And Steve has become a personal friend because he lives locally here in San Diego. And I actually do hypnosis with Steve. Um, So I just want to thank you for being on the show. Emily, good day to you. What time is it in Malta right now? Uh, thank you, Greg. It's 6 p.m. here. So it's good. It, so it's 9 a.m. your time, right? It is. It okay. is. But this is uh, this makes it for a very small world. But, you know, I do want to let my listeners know a bit about you. Uh, Emily Francis is the host of an Internet radio show called All About Healing on Healthy Life Radio. So you can tune into her on Healthy Life Radio. She has a bachelor's degree in exercise science and wellness, as well as a master's of science and physical education. And um, she focuses on human performance. She graduated from the Atlanta School of Massage and Clinical and Neuromuscular Massage Therapy and went on to specialize through Dr. Vodder Schools North America in manual lymphatic drainage and combined the digestive therapy working specifically with lymphatic, a chronic condition, uh, most notably results from the effects of cancer treatment. And I actually have a son who has chronic myelogenous leukemia, so I know this well. Emily is the author of books called Stretch Therapy, a comprehensive guide to individual and assisted stretching. She's also Witchy Mama, uh, Magical Traditions, Motherly Insights, and Sacred Knowledge. Uh, the Body Heals Itself, 
how deeper awareness of your muscles and your emotions connections can help you heal. And now she's got the new book out, Healing Ourselves Whole, which is an HCI book. That's the one we're going to be speaking about. And I want to show my listeners a copy. Look at that. She, they got it double, double duty here. Now, for those of you who are not tuning in on YouTube, you don't get to see this, but it's a beautiful cover. But more importantly, what's inside is so important because I look at it almost like a guidebook. So, Emily, you have three other books, mm-hmm. uh, but Healing Ourselves Whole seems to be this connecting of all of your work, like the body as a body worker. Um, I'm really, you really put your heart and soul into it. I could tell as I was reading through it. What makes this book different from the others that you've authored? One and two, um, if you would let our listeners know the difference that a lot of them don't know what a body worker is. So it's like, so what is a body worker and what makes this book so different? So a body worker is somebody who does hands-on therapeutic work. So I do clinical and neuromuscular massage therapy. I also practice Reiki and I practice lymphatic drainage. So I'm working with your physical, energetic, and spiritual body. Uh-huh. And and I'm blessed because I put my hands on your skin. I drape you accordingly. People are undressed under the covers. You're draped accordingly. I create a safe space. And then we together dialogue with your body. So it's not a spa. I don't like it's It's not what you would go to just get relaxed. The work that I do is to help you get in tune with the messaging system of your body because the muscles speak all the time. Your body speaks all the time, but unless you've learned how to listen, it seems to take a destruction before people finally hear the messages that your body's been knocking with for a really long time. So a body worker to me is a a sacred practice, all-encompassing, hands-on, that helps you know how to heal from inside and learn how to listen to your own body. Um, This book, Healing Ourselves Whole, what makes this book different? It's the work you do alone. So my first, so it's like a trilogy. I did like a trilogy of, of healing books. The body heals itself is why do we carry pain where we do? Why is it that I keep seeing the same chronic pain patterns associated with the same emotions per muscle group? So that's in the body heals itself. Whole body healing is who is our team that we need to assemble if we're going to associate, if we're going to need to do some healing, real healing. So let's say somebody gets a diagnosis. You cannot just treat the the physical. So this book is more of your manual for the physical, the emotional, the energy body, and the spirit body, and who lives under those guides. But this latest book, Healing Ourselves Whole, is the work you do alone. And that's what I really wanted to get to because I can't see people one-on-one. And and only, you know, I've been teaching that for almost 20 years. We dialogue, we learn, but really at some point, can't we give that wisdom to the person themselves? Shouldn't they have to, shouldn't there be a point where they don't have to see me, where I can give them everything that I have and all the years that I've been studying? I've been studying health and healing for 25 years, 25 Mm -hmm. years out of my 46 years. So (laughs) half my life, I have been studying anatomy, physiology, kinesiology, the way that the body works, all the different things. But going to massage school changed the way that I view the body and the way that I understand it. And so finally, this book is, how do you do the work alone? Because how many people have you talked to in your life 
when you're trying to do really deep healing and all these healers, they say, you have to do the work. You have to do the work. Well, what do you know how to do if nobody's taking you through and teaching you your own path and, and helping you understand how your body communicates? Because it's not the same messaging. Well, and that is what makes this book different is this is kind of a self-guide. That's why I said it's a guidebook. Um, there's a lot of places to journal, to write, to answer questions. Um, and I think a lot of books are that way, but not a lot of books about your body, right? So, right. you know, we we see this. Um, in self-help books. But this is really even the deeper dive into self-help, if you want to call it that, or healing. Um, And you mentioned that the body is full of magic and wisdom. And I agree with you on that. Yet we spend decades ignoring it in pursuit of other avenues by which to recover and heal, um, no matter what it is. Um, Why do you believe we ignore the signs which I would say probably 90% of the people out listening to this have ignored a sign at one time or another that something's wrong and needs healing. And, you know, if this magic and wisdom is there, Emily, which we know it is, your role through this guidebook is to allow people to learn how to tap into it. So what, what advice would you give to our listeners? Well, uh, I first want to answer when you said, why do 90% of the people not know how to do this? And I believe that it's because not enough body workers are writing books. So all of the healing and the teachings that we're getting are brain dominant. It's cognitive therapy, which is ideal. But there's a strong belief that the mind governs the body. And I believe it's the body governs the mind. I believe that you have to figure out through which kind of person you go, what comes first, the chicken or the egg. A person Mm -hmm. who's not comfortable being touched, you have to go through the mind. You have to go through the mind to harness the body. But a person who doesn't want to delve into that sort of diagnostic conversation for years on end, you can get right into that body and get right to it. It, You know, there's a lot of people that have come to me over the years and said, you just saved me more than 10 years of therapy. Mm -hmm. I get it. I get what my body is saying. There's an unlock key in your body. There's an unlock key in your mind. The keys are not the same. So what would you say, Emily, about people being vulnerable to that work? Um, you know, the reality is, is that Brene Brown's done a lot of work on vulnerability. Um, you, I've had body work done. And I know when you say you just mentioned touching somebody and you have to enter a different way, some people are not receptive to that. And they don't actually want to tell the truth um, about what's going on. But you have, I'm not saying a special power, but as a body worker, you can read this. Um, yes. You know what they're not telling you, yes. right? Yes. And so how do, you, how do you pick up that conversation with somebody who's not telling you the truth about what's really going on? You know, I have to tell you, I don't really meet those people. And, okay. and here's really what it is. For one, people find me when they're ready to make a shift. Okay. You know, it's not like I'm chasing people down going, hey, get body work. Right. They're calling me. They're right. hoping for this to be an outcome. When my hands touch somebody's body, I don't know what it is, but my hands are really direct communicators in a way that my mind doesn't really work. It's as soon as my hands are on the body, I can find where it is that you're signaling. And then I I ask a few prompting questions, but it's not like I touch and go, oh, Okay, I feel this. That's very judging. So a lot of times too, people are nervous because they think, what do you know? What do you know about me? Oh my gosh. 
And I try to come in. I always give the same speech. You're in a safe space. This is a non-judging space. You're allowed to say anything you want. You don't have to say anything you don't want to. This is completely about you. And I'm here to help. But there's, I don't expect anything from somebody. I mean, you're here on your own accord, and I want to know what your intention is for this session. But if they're not comfortable with that kind of work, I, who am I? I'm yeah. not going to push that then. You know, well, but a lot point. of times the clinical part of me though is very helpful because I'm not coming in, even though I practice energy, I'm not overly woo woo, if you will. Right. So I don't come in and go, Oh, your aura is off. Instead, I'll say, All right, this is the muscle. This is the origin. This is the insertion. This is the way your fiber direction goes. Well, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do and why. You know, so I even do that in the energy place. This is what I'm doing. I'm going, and if I'm touching like vulnerable areas, I put their hand on top of my wrist. You're in charge. This is a breaker. If you're not comfortable, pull me out. This is, this is a very, um, we're a team. Well, I think that's the reason for the book because they can do this in the comfort of their home. Yes. And, and figure this out. And I, again, it's not a, a, a plug per se, but, if you would have apprehension, you'd certainly want to get this book and work through the book, right? Now, Emily, you have a chart in the book that's really kind of the quintessential, I think, point of much of this book, and it addresses the Fab Four and the Heavy Four. And if you would, tell the listeners more about the pyramid, the chart, and what you're referring to about the Fab Four and the Heavy Four. So I am the creator of the somatic emotion chart. And don't let that overwhelm you. The word somatic simply means body. Mm-hmm. It's your body emotions. So if you were to go to a therapist, they would make you look at, not make you, but they would ask you to look at maybe a feeling wheel or an emotion chart. And you'd have all these overwhelming words. How are you feeling? What are you resonating with? Well, your body doesn't really work like that. There's very key emotions that your body stores that every time I work, it's these same things. Trauma, shame, and guilt come together like three dysfunctional best friends. Where Mm -hmm. there's trauma, there's going to be shame. There's going to be guilt. The cycle, it's a circle. They're in your tissues. And then grief. So the the heavy force, trauma, shame, guilt, grief. Grief is its very own beast. It's not the same as the trauma, shame, guilt cycle. So grief is something that I am not asking you to release. I'm asking you to learn how to hold so it's not so heavy. But I'm also saying nobody has any right to tell you how to grieve or for how long or any of that. I give you permission to feel the grief. Then we have a action bridge, which is suppress, which keeps you on the heavy four. Process, which means nothing's moving. You're just willing to let the memories come up off the tissues and then release. And that takes you to the fabulous four emotions, which is happy, joy, connected, and empowered. And I believe with all of my heart from all of my years that the same way the muscle memory absorbs trauma is the same way the muscle memory absorbs joy. So all of those really fabulous, really healthy emotions are sitting in the same body system, waiting to be unlocked and reproduced for more health and healing. So joy is actually a physiological response in the body. It sits in the muscles and in the soft tissue. Happy is lighter than that. Happy is more of a daily occurrence, but it happens so often that you recognize the pattern, but it's not as deeply embedded. Joy is deeply embedded the way that trauma is deeply embedded. And then connected is more of, imagine if all the parts of your body were on the same one team heading towards the same goal. 
So there's nobody that's fighting this, right? So instead of magnets going positive to positive, negative to negative, and they're all repelling, now they're lining up and they're going in the same direction for your healing. And then finally, you're taking that happy, that joy, that connected, and you are now empowered when you're to the point where you can take that out into the world around you and not be uh, offset by the, the world you're still holding that pattern now. You're able to hold that joy place and you're able to hold that connectedness. And now you have your own personal power, hence making you empowered. And I think that's the ultimate goal. Now in the book versus somebody coming to you, flying to Malta, sitting on the table with you, um, you guide people in this process of releasing these emotional experiences that have manifested in pain and suffering, right? Um If you would, um, inform the listeners as to how you've already said how this pain and suffering embeds itself into the muscle tissue, and you believe that it's the muscle tissue that actually is basically the cause of that. How do you basically help people release that, understand it better, know where it is, identify it, um, and let go of it? So here's what we do. uh, In cognitive therapy, it's called a trauma capsule. So when something is too overwhelming for you to handle, the gift of the mind is to eject and it puts it all into a little capsule, drops into the body and we'll walk away from it. Okay. My job is to pick up the capsule and open it up because that's what's been dropped in the body. But the way that it comes to me in imagery is a carrot. So it embeds and deeply, deeply plants into the soft tissue and then it grows roots. So those carrots are implanted in any part of your body. It could be where the point of impact was. It could be something totally where you can't say this is why it's here. So in the meditation, we go to the outside of the body, then into the blood and plasma. We surf through the soft tissue. And then we ask just the one carrot that is in this emotion to reveal itself. So we see the greenery out on the top of our muscle tissue, and it'll just alert us, however that is for you. For me, it's a little ding, ding and a light. And then I'll go and I'll imagine myself sitting next to that carrot and letting it tell me the story. Because a lot of times we jump in and go, oh, finally, I've been waiting for this story. And then we push the story onto the carrot and the carrot's going, no, that's not it at all. It was actually a different experience in your life. What I'm feeling, what's been planted here, you might not even realize has been so impactful. So what I ask people to do is just sit down and listen and let Mm -hmm. the carrot tell you its story without your narrative. And then the way that we do it is we remove the carrot really deep. We grab deep from the green and we pull it up and out of the roots all the way to the last little strings that are hanging off the bottom of the carrot. But the trick is when you release something that's been traumatic, If you don't fill it really quickly with something equally as weighty, you feel really naked, raw, and vulnerable without it, and you summon it back. Because trauma has lived with us for so long that we get to a point where we don't actually know how to live without it. So you've dealt dealt with cancer patients for quite a big portion of your life. And the lymphatic system, uh, obviously, learning how to release that and understand lymphoma understand uh, leukemia, understand cancers, period. Cancer, the word cancer usually scares a patient uh, pretty much. Um, I just had basal cell carcinoma removed from my right cheek um, and another biopsy yesterday on my leg. So you say, well, 
that, yes, that's sun damage. Um, you know, you had that happen. But the reality is there is some emotion behind that. I guarantee it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know exactly personally what it is. Um, but when you do this, when you did this lymphatic work with people that got very serious forms of cancer, what was the telltale sign for you usually um, when you were trying to help these people heal and understand why they had cancer? Okay. So here's the difference. Uh, My lymphatic drainage work, I treat once you're in remission. I won't actually treat you in cancer treatment because you're dealing with people's plumbing system. So your ability to spread is there. And there's a lot of research on both sides that argue it. But in my heart, I have realized that I'm not going to treat somebody in active treatment for cancer. However, I'm happy to do energy work. So that's when we get into those dialogues and discussions. But when I do the lymphatic, and I think it's because of the Bodder School itself, I'm super clinical. So when we sit down to do lymphatic work, I am not even in dialogue at all. Because the lymphatic work is everything is three sets of five. So I'm counting the entire time. And the person is falling asleep because it's this whole neurological release to the whole nervous system. And so a lot of times they fall asleep. I'm counting. I'm calming. I'm listening to the waves of the actual liquid under your skin. So if I'm listening that deeply, then I can't take you into this other conversation because I'm too busy listening to where it's moving and where it isn't. Because my job is to bypass. So I work on lymphedema. And lymphedema Mm -hmm. is a chronic swelling condition, usually because the lymph nodes have been uh, uh, severed or radiated and they don't work anymore. So if if somebody's had breast cancer and the whole axilla, the whole armpit doesn't work anymore and their arm is really swollen, my job is to move it to the ribs, to the stomach, to the legs, to the other armpit, to all over the body to get it to digest and come out through the urine. So it's a totally different ball game. And there are practices where they talk about the lymphatic and the emotion. But when it comes to that work, it's like I change hats. Got and it. And I become so, somebody totally different. But it is something that, you know, you were doing. And, and obviously, all of that education and knowledge goes forward into a lot of things that you do throughout the rest of your career. And you state the theme of this book is working with our body's emotions and memory. I think memory is, I should underscore the word memory to help one heal. Because once it gets set in memory, you've either got to release it out of that memory uh, for it to heal. And that the work does not replace the potential need for medications. Um, You were just kind of talking about or other counseling methods. What work is required to release the pinned up emotions to achieve what you refer to as a fully healthy body? in your estimation? That's a hard one because everybody's so different. I understand. So, (laughs) you know, here's what I actually value myself as a really great healing matchmaker. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm really good at animal rescue and I'm good at helping animals find the right house. I can look at certain people and go, I can tell you which dog is meant for you. And I'm usually spot on. And it's the same thing with healing. So when people reach out to me and people email me from all over the world and I don't charge anything and I'll sit with it. 
And then I will tell you what I think would be your best avenue for your alternative treatments with your regular doctor. Don't leave your doctor. (laughs) That's the other part is people get really wrapped up in the holistic and go, okay, bye-bye doctors. Don't do that. (laughs) Have them all, have them all and make your team. And, and that's your best line of defense is the more knowledge you have and the more helpers. But if you meet these people and they're not helping you heal, then don't go back to them. Find other places. But, you know, this is why Dr. Bierman, he's so fantastic. He's he's still a medical doctor who does the hypnotherapy. You know, he's got it both. He's not going to leave years and years of a medical practice. So if there's something someone needs, they're going to get that. So I try to sit with when people really email me and go, here's what's going on. Here's what hasn't worked. And then I'll I'll sit. And my child has recovery from an autism spectrum diagnosis, which is almost impossible. And I understand that, but it's not totally impossible. And I'm in the book, um, Autism Essentials, for the chapter on recovery. And I tell people, the way that I really went about this was like, I was in two years of perpetual meditation. And I know that sounds like, oh, no way. you, But it was like, I can't have conversations with people that don't know more than me. So I'm going to have to go higher. And I'm going to have to get directives that aren't from my buddies, you know, and that aren't just from this one doctor, because it's shocking how limited their scope of knowledge is when you're talking about special needs. They know their place and then they poo-poo everything else. And your job is not to listen to that and then go into that deep perpetual state of meditation and go, okay, spirit, you show me, you show me and help open the doors. And I promise you, I will not fight you. So people that come to me for any of this, my biggest thing is you cannot come in with blinders. You have to come in and be really, really open because it might be snake oil that you need, really. I mean, you have a mother with a special needs child. They might be the most uber religious, no way am I doing these things. And then all of a sudden you have a child and you go, all right, I will rub my whole body in snake oil if it'll help them heal. And then the blinders pop off and it's like, okay, let's open up. There's a ton of healing in the world, all over the world. And what you might do in India or Pakistan or someplace else doesn't exist in America until you start looking. And then you find out that there's a practitioner two blocks down. Right. (laughs) You just didn't know. They're everywhere. They are. And, you know, it, it ranges from shamans to MDs, right? And I guess right. the question then is, you know, you uh, you haven't really told your personal story, and I don't know how much of it you want to tell, but you refer to it in the book, the depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, for our listeners, they may really want to know just a tad bit about, you know, your own personal history Um, that gives you, I won't say the right, but kind of the credentials, because obviously you went to all these schools, you had all this teaching, but even more importantly, you did that because there was a big pain you had. Right. Right. I'm happy to share that. So I find that, you know, psychologists and anybody in the healing fields there, they didn't come there just because they're good scholars. Right. They found this vocation because they had to heal. Right. And that's me too. So I was a lifelong aerobics director, kickboxing, martial arts, yoga, the whole gamut. But my dad died really young. He was only 43. He was playing tennis. He died of a heart attack. I was 13. We were given about two weeks to grieve. And then that was it. No conversation, no therapy, no help. So I'm a 13-year-old that's all of a sudden my favorite human on the entire planet is gone. And I'm telling myself, maybe he's in the witness protection program. Maybe he lives in Las Vegas. I never saw a casket. I never saw a body. I saw no proof. He was buried in a faraway state because my mom thought if she buried him local, she'd never get me out of the cemetery. Mm -hmm. I didn't even get to see his grave until I got old enough to drive there myself. 
So I had all these years of of deep rooted trauma that I I would wake up in the middle of the night and do push-ups to like restart my heart because I thought I was dying all the time. And I put it away. And then I started exercising all the time and I hit 25 and I stopped drinking because I was getting to that place of no return. But at the time, it wasn't like I was looking at myself saying, hey, you're self-medicating. Hey, sister, you're a really good partier, (laughs) but this is getting really out of control. But I knew I was really at that place. I was at that crossroads that if I kept going, I wasn't going to make it back. Mm -hmm. So I did a year of sobriety. And I always say this, the mask dropped and the crazy appeared. And all the things that I had spent a lifetime shutting and shoving into my heart space came flying up with a vengeance. And I did seven solid years of therapy, of hypnotherapy, EMDR therapy, psychiatry, channeling, sweat lodges, crystal therapy. Uh, uh, I did soul recovery and extraction. I did herbs. I did acupuncture. I did everything I'd ever heard of. Do you but even I was do ayahuasca? <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to, but I couldn't find anybody actually. Nowadays, I probably would go there first, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, but at the time, I was super against medication. Super. Yeah. Because all my holistic people kept saying to me, no, it's a Band-Aid. No, you can't do that. You would be failing. So seven years. And then I'm reading a book called Embracing Fear by a psychotherapist named Tom Rutledge. And that's T-H-O-M, Tom Rutledge. And I wrote him an email. And I was like, dear Tom, I'm reading your book. I'm working on my own book about healing from anxiety through spiritual avenues. And it turns out I'm a big, fat, phony liar. I'm a faker. I'm a liar. I'm a fraud. It all, I failed. I failed. And he wrote back and he was like, oh my God, you are so dangerous. You, you are so dangerous. He's like, what, why, may I ask why you're so against medication? And I said, oh, no way. That's a Band-Aid. It's against my holistic philosophies. I don't believe in medication. I tried it once. I felt like I was in a coma. It's a no. And he said the most profound thing to me that no one ever said before. He said, wow, I think you've missed a, a really important piece of information. The brain and the mind are not the same thing, and they cannot be treated the same way. And he said, the mind is where the thoughts and behaviors lived, and you have done a spectacular job helping your mind with all of your therapies. But the brain is an organ. And if your organ is out of balance, he goes, you would not hesitate if it was your heart or your kidneys or your liver to save your life. You Mm -hmm. wouldn't hesitate, would you? And he said, why are you so against this? And so I went to my regular doctor and I said, I think I want to try a really low dose of anti-anxiety. And he put me on a child's dose. And for three years, I took that medicine and I never had to go to an adult dose. But what it did is it put a wall between anxiety and panic. So I could still feel all my feelings and learn how to manage them without getting so drugged out that I missed that part, which I think is the sad part about what usually happens. I think people miss the place to navigate because they're so drugged over that the bridge that could be put in there is removed. But I was able to still feel anxious and learn how to bring myself back. And I saw a part of me that I thought died a long time ago. And for me, it was like, putting my life into new pieces because I never am going to be the person that I was. And God, I wish I could. I wish that I wanted to go back to the gym and teach a bunch of classes. I really do. But I don't want to. It's not who I am anymore. I saw this. I saw this poster the other day and it was so powerful. It said, you don't recognize this person because I put my pieces back differently. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. And I thought, 
that's me. I am a new version. And I've been this version now for more than uh, almost 10 years. So it's not like I'm saying it and going, hey, this sort of is working. It's worked. I'm there. I'm not on medication, but I can handle and manage those feelings. They're not gone, but they're, they live with me in a softer, smaller way. Well, the way I look at it is you got beamed up and then you got put back together on the other side, you know? Yes. So, you know, beam me up, Emily, and then come back down on the other side. And and all the pieces and parts came back together in a different way. They did. You know, it is is for a lot of people that uh, it's a reprogramming. It's um, looking at the pieces of the puzzle, ascertaining um, what's good. What is it that's not so good that I want to remove? Um, and how can I do that? And, you know, you mentioned that emotions are not words. Feelings can be put into words. Emotions are tied to the actual physiology of the body. That's what we've been yes. talking about. Yes. You state that we express our feelings and that we, are, that we experience our emotions. Totally agreed. Um, how can we change how we embody our emotions to better heal. Because look, emotions are something that, you know, I always tell people, take a deep breath before you answer because you've been charged by somebody else's statement, which got your feelings ruffled, which then changed your emotional state, which you're about ready to react to. um, And that reaction is probably going to be negative, right? right? So what would you tell people about getting in a and a better altered state from those emotions and feelings to sit down yeah sit in it sit in the actual fire and then learn how to get comfortable with the discomfort because the discomforts are going to rise and they're going to try to burn you out and freak you out but you have to learn how to sit and the more often that you sit in it then the, the less strong the flames become. And here's what I've learned as of late. The more interviews that I give, the more that I have realized something really even more powerful. I, I talk about in the book, are you willing to let the discomforts rise? Are you willing to get naked and raw and sit in those discomforts? But now I'm realizing it's a bold, brave move if you're willing to sit with the joy. Mm-hmm. Because that's actually, we get really accustomed to carrying trauma with us. It becomes a little friend on our shoulder and we, we now know how to live with it because it's been around so much. Right. But when you feel joy, that is even scarier because when you allow yourself to be fully present in that space, how many times do you couple it with a fear-based thought? Mm-hmm. Now tragedy's right around the corner. That's it. I'm screwed. I'm setting myself up for this because I just had the time of my life, which means it's got to go back down. But can you sit with the bold, brave move and let the happy joy come into your life and rise all the way up without getting up and running and without letting yourself have a, a coupled thought of fear-based? So now I feel like that's the brave move. They're both brave moves, but don't just focus only on letting the discomforts rise. Because now I think maybe it's the shift in the earth now, but I think more than ever before, ever, we have to learn how to sit when things are really great and let it come in. You know, at the end of yoga, they ask you to lay down for at least five minutes, right. but they don't explain to you that it's because it takes five minutes for the muscle memory to absorb the practice you just did. Right. 
Right. You need no, that it's... five minutes. You have to. You're talking to your muscles and saying, hey, muscles, this is what we just did. And I want you to remember this so that next time it's even easier. And that's the same thing we want to do. So when you feel an overwhelming joy, let yourself cry in peace and harmony and happiness, but don't leave the space. Take Very a good. seat. Very good advice. And I would say that, you know, re- replacing the negative emotion with the positive emotion, like you're saying, and sitting with it, right? And imbibing in it, right? I'm going to say that, you know, just like you were talking about your alcohol, you're kind of like, you're drinking it in, you're drinking it in. So, you know, you speak about acute and chronic pain in the book, and you state that the body sends signals to you through the avenues of these aches and pains, okay? Um, People get them all the time. Doesn't matter if they exercise, they do yoga, they do whatever they do, they meditate, they're still bound to have the signals being sent, as you said, out from the brain, down through the nervous system to a spot somewhere that's being triggered by something. Explain to us the difference between acute and chronic pain. So acute is something that happened recently. You can trace it A to B. I have a pain in this part of my body because I hit the table. There's no emotion there. It's a very easy, it's fact. Chronic pain, you can't trace or you can imagine what it is, but it's, a, it's not an A to B. It's not easy. It's the same thing that's been knocking so hard that now it's a pain that some people forget they even have. They don't, it's just like something they learn to live with. But here's the thing. Let me give you like a quick overbody. When your knees flare up, but you haven't actually hurt your knees, you're, you're stuck in quicksand. You're probably in the middle of a, of a crossroads trying to make a, a crucial decision and not making one. Then the knees start acting. Um, the low back governs financial security and also loss, moving forward from loss. Those are really hard to do. So that upper low back, back. Well, the upper back is betrayal. Mm. So, and it's different per side. So the, the, the dominant side, usually the right, you had a hand in. It's something that somebody put a knife in your back. You got stabbed in the back. The left side, though, usually the left, but it can be opposite if you're a lefty, is things that happen to you without your part in it. Parents that get divorced, that's betrayal, but you didn't, you had no say. A child who's diagnosed with an illness, that's betrayal, but you had no say. This isn't something you did wrong. This is something that's happened and you feel betrayed in some capacity because you're blindsided. These are things that happen behind your back. This is the place. And then on top of the shoulders, this is totally different. This is the people that have to be in charge, don't trust other people to be in charge. They're control freaks. They're type A personalities. And this is where it sits. That's different. That's the carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. But most of the time you choose to do so. Mm -hmm. So those things can leave. And like elbows are your ability to redirect. Can you? And your neck, your neck is what's happening behind your back, but that you're not willing to see. That part Mm -hmm. you come back into are things going on around you and you're not opening yourself or you're just so stuck in some place that you're not really looking 360. So you've covered your your shoulders, you've covered your back, right and left, your neck. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you say about somebody who's having hand problems? So your hands are the maps, but this is the, you know, there's no muscles in your hands. Well, there's no muscles in your fingers. There's muscles in your hands, but no muscles in your fingers. So it comes from the forearms. Mm -hmm. 
So if you're having a lot of pain here, you're going to have to look at these forearms. And by the way, please let me say, if you're feeling any sort of carpal tunnel, so here's the test. It's a little stretch. You put your knuckles together, your palms are flat, and then you have to lower the elbows below the plane of the wrists. Okay. So if this is an issue or you're up here, you got to go take a look, but please bypass the orthopedic and go to your acupuncturist and get that treated so that you can avoid surgery because carpal tunnel surgery is the last thing that you need. It is shocking how many people can find their relief from neuromuscular massage therapy and clinical and and acupuncture. Good advice. I just had a friend. The reason I ask is I just had a very good friend who literally has a cast on his right arm. He just had carpal tunnel syndrome. So it was really something. Now, you know, you speak about uh, the research and findings about how our bodies hold that. You said the the four, the mm-hmm. shame, the guilt, the grief. Mm-hmm. And you state that the cycle of trauma, shame, and guilt are the hallmarks of disease. Um, I do believe that, that, yeah. that, that right, those, those four, that's going to disease. Um, how would you explain to the listeners that are out there right now about those heavy four, right, that are actually then manifesting themselves into some, and I always used to say dis hyphen uh-huh. yep, right, like a lot yep. of people. We cover um, ourselves. <laughs> right, because that's what it is. Um, and I've always believed that, that that's, that's, that's what it is. But I think that you know, when you talk about the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, we are not, unless you're doing hypnotherapy or you're having some uh, kind of uh, therapy, you're not always in touch with that subconscious mind. Correct. And what it's it's doing. You're very seldom in touch with it, actually. (laughs) Very seldom. I think only people that, that practice meditation, mindfulness practices, centering, they're more in tune to get into that space. But mm-hmm. let me jump from how something like that can manifest itself into dis hyphen ease. And I'm going to take you back into the Chinese medicine scope again. So let's talk about there's a lung one channel right up at the top of the chest. Okay, the lungs in Chinese medicine, there the emotion for lungs when you can get sick is uh, incredible sadness. It's grief. And wh- what sits above the lungs, your chest, what's the most prominent cancer in women, your breasts. It's all connected in there. So grief and incredible sadness and things that were never, ever released can manifest themselves. Why do men, their their most prominent is lung cancer. It's the same answer. When we don't express and we let that fester, it grows roots and those roots contain poison. And so anybody that is going through cancer treatment, they have to, they have to address their emotional body. They must. It has to be an actual partner with the physical treatments that you're getting. It must, Mm -hmm. because otherwise you're leaving the roots planted. Even if you have surgery and they remove lots of parts, you're leaving the roots planted. So you have to look at where in your body, and then it's, you have to find the right practitioners. I wouldn't go through a healing practice without bringing in Chinese medicine. That's me personally. There's no way I'm going on a healing trip and I'm leaving my acupuncturist on the side of the road. No way. You know, and, and there's a lot of other ones, but to me, it's my a number one go-to and a lot of Americans, it's their last resort and it should. Yeah. Be. Well, I mean, look, the, the chakra being able to move the energies through the body and you'd utilize acupressure, acupuncture properly. Uh, it, it's proven. I mean, I've done it. So I understand and you've done it and you've actually 
realize the benefits because you can feel it when they actually put put the needles in. It's like, oh, wow. You know, it's like it's moving. And so, you know, I think your book is a guidebook for people that are out there that either have some experience with this, what we've been talking about, or maybe don't have some experience. But the reality is this is going to allow them to take a deeper dive and to start asking some questions and to go there. What are the two or three things, Emily, you'd like to leave our listeners with that you think could be helpful in having them heal themselves? Thank you for that. Uh, my first one, I'm just going to refer to the book itself. I, I put the power in your own hands. Mm-hmm. So I do want you to know that with this book. Also that the audiobook releases on the 22nd of this month. So if people don't like to read the books, the audio is coming out. But the other things that I want to leave people is that don't let anybody put the lid on the jar of possibilities for your healing. Do not let anyone tell you that there's not an option in healing because there is. There are different ways to get to the same end goal. Right. And your job is to look really far and wide and to find them and to figure out how to go deep enough within yourself that you can figure out what people, what practices resonate deep enough to help make a change. I, and this is the last part. It, healing is possible. Miracles happen every day and healing is possible. And your body is full of magic and wisdom, but it's almost impossible to do alone. So even though I give you the power here, don't think this is it. You have to assemble your team. You got to find your people and they have to be able to support your healing. And that's your job for yourself, for your life. Well, you have two sites. I know you've got Emily Francis, F-R-A-N-C-I-S, which we're going to put a link to.com. And you've got the book title. It's yes. Healing Ourselves Whole Book.com. Is that correct? It's just Healing Ourselves Whole.com. Yeah. Okay. So. Either one of those websites for my listeners, they it's can the go same to. website. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to be able It'll to get take there. you to the same page. Yeah. Okay. So at the website, there's all kinds of resources. You can order this on Amazon. We're going to have it. Um, that somatic chart that we were talking about is there. We'll put a link to that as well. And Emily, I'm so glad that uh, Dr. Berman put us together. He's over in Germany right now teaching. Oh. So, um, Thank you. Thank you for being on the show from Malta today and spending a few minutes with our listeners from around the world. Uh, Please go out. Like she said, if you don't want to read, you got the audio version that's coming out. Uh, Pick up the audio version of the book as well. Uh, Thank you and namaste to you. Namaste. And enjoy the rest of your evening with your family. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.